I'm Albert Alva, and I was on stage with Ella Fitzgerald once, and that's a true story. I sure hope you enjoy Desert Island Jams with Sarah Spoon. Island Jams, a monthly podcast where I sit down with the DJs, musicians and just general music nerds from the dance community. My guest this month is Albert Alva, a lovely musician based in Los Angeles, California. He has been a musician since he was a teenager and actually never had a plan B. He's been a music educator for over 15 years and this includes kids of all ages through to the college level. He's a songwriter, he is a multi-instrumentalist, he writes lyrics and he has been known to sing I know Albert through his incredible performances in the swing jazz world with groups such as the Jonathan Stout Orchestra, Jonathan Stout and his Campus Five, or on Josh Calazzo's Candy Jacket Jazz Band, just to name a couple. He does have his first CD project going on at the moment, but it's been delayed because of, you know, everything. And we're looking forward to hearing that when it's ready. Albert and I had the opportunity to catch up in May this year. I think it was May, you know, but what even is time? And he was using... A very powerful microphone so if you hear some interesting background noises that's why yeah welcome welcome albert thank you so much for agreeing to come on the show i'm delighted thank you sarah so happy to be here glad you asked so how did you get into horn playing well i'd say that when i was a uh, in my late teens my mom brought home a saxophone and she said play this so she got it from a relative because i had experimented with guitars I was playing a song the very first day with no lessons. I figured it out on my own. When there's a will, there's a way. I'm one of those kind of people that you can uh, give a new instrument through, put me in a room by myself and come back in a few hours and I'll be doing something on it. Cool. So how many instruments do you play regularly? Flute, clarinet, several saxophones, piano, and electric bass. And I understand you even sing from time to time. And I sing. Are there any recordings of your singing around? Well, I did a, a concert with my uh, college jazz ensemble. That's kind of fun. Cool. Let's talk about your first track that you've picked, the Ella Fitzgerald and Joe... I, w- I want to say pass because I'm English, but I, I would imagine you say pass. Joe Pass. I Ain't Got Nothing But The Blues. Tell us a little bit about why this is your first track. Well, Ella is a major... Uh, influence in me. So even when I was getting started, I remember uh, putting on her record with Duke Ellington. I used to sing along with it. Her scat singing. I can sing her solo on it. And I saw her in person half a dozen times. And I was on stage once with her. Wow, you were on stage with her? I was playing with a band and uh, we walked her up stage. Quincy Jones had to help her escort her and slowly walk her up the steps. I had just did an arrangement for this band leader on, on a swing version of the Phantom of the Opera, All I Ask of You, something like, you can feel that, right? After she received the award, they got down and we kicked into that song, and Quincy Jones and Ella Fitzgerald started swing dancing together. It was the real deal. He was spinning her, and I try to tell students if they can figure out, and maybe you can help me. She had trouble walking when she needed to dance. She had no trouble. 
Can you explain that? <laughs> so I love that story. Oh, that's really something to treasure. So this series, Ella Fitzgerald and Joe Pass, they did at least four albums together, and I love them all. So it's just a, a wonderful Duke Ellington song that's not often done enough. Ain't got the change of a nickel Ain't got no bounce in my shoes Ain't got no fancy to tickle I ain't got nothing but the blues Ain't got no coffee that's perking Ain't got no winnings to lose Ain't got a dream that's working I ain't got nothing but the blues When trumpets flare up I keep my hair up I just can't make it come down Believe me, Pappy I can't get happy Since my ever-loving baby left town Ain't got no rest in my slumbers Ain't got no feelings to bruise Ain't got no telephone numbers I ain't got nothing but the blues Change of a nickel Ain't got no bounce in my shoes Ain't got no fancy to tickle I ain't got nothing, I ain't got nothing but the blues Ain't got no coffee that's perking Ain't got no winnings to lose I ain't got a dream that's working I ain't got nothing but the blues When trumpets flare up I keep my hair up Hey, I just can't make it, can't make it come down Believe me, Pappy, I can't get happy Since my ever-loving baby left town Ain't got no redness in my slumbers Ain't got no Telephone numbers I 
That is so yummy. I love the entire album, and it's and it's special. She just has a different quality than what we're used to. Next song on the list, which is quote unquote ridiculously funky, and I think this is the song I was most excited to see on your playlist. Tower of Power, drop it in the slot. How did you come into loving this song so much? Well, I was around when uh, it came out, and I'm an electric bass player. I can play the line. I've done arrangements of this song and I played it with my college band. That song that I told you about, I sang recently, was a Tower of Power song. We did soul-stepping choreography, and I was dancing and singing at full volume, up an octave, and doing it right. So after swing, funk is, is my roots. Say when I'm driving to a performance of a swing gig, to keep my mind clear from that music so it's fresh, I might listen to Tower Power on the drive or some other, you know, the Carpenters, anything differently. So then when I'm ready to hit my swing, it's fresh. Tower of Power have three sax players. Question, can you have too many sax players in a band? Well, no, it's just about the, the arranger, the arrangement. As I recall, I think I have a Benny Carter, um, the great saxophone player. I have one of his records, and he might have had a, a dozen saxophone players on this recording. So it all has to do with the or arranging. So, but for funk, Tower Power had the magic number three. Three is a magic number. Stop! 
Yeah, relentlessly funky. I can share a story. I don't know. You may know this already, but the saxophone player name is Lenny Pickett, the soloist there. He he had his own style, and uh, several years into the band, he got an offer that he couldn't refuse. So he's been the um, musical director for Saturday Night Live for a couple of decades. You tune into that show and you hear the funky saxophone player and the high notes. That's Lenny Pickett from Tower of Power. Ah. Oh. So another interesting tidbit. Oh, I love it. Keep keep them coming. <laughs> Next up on the list, we have Jasha Heifetz, Ain't Necessarily So, from Porgy and Bess. Trained one of the greatest classical violinists ever. And uh, I think he um, was friends with George Gershwin. Might have dated his sister or something like that. I remember reading the liner notes. He did an entire record of Gershwin melodies. I was a, uh, in high school, and I would check out music from the library very uh, inexperienced. I didn't know anything. I didn't know anybody. I put on an LP hearing Gershwin melody with a wonderful violin sound. I had never heard anything about it. I was high for weeks just to hear a beautiful violin playing a Gershwin melody who I didn't know about then yet either. Wow. On your desert island where you have these 10 records, where on the island are you listening to this this song? Water's Edge. Ain't necessarily so. It fits the uh, Desert Island song. I would never get tired of that. 
to squeeze me by Clark Terry and Coleman Hawkins. How did you discover this song? Well, I was really on my own a lot when I was young, so I would just experiment. One album, somebody would be a sideman on someone's record, and I said, well, let me check this out. And I would just, I used to have a few thousand LPs. This is um, also interesting for the Major Holly playing bass. You're going to hear an unusual sound you may have never heard before. The bass player is singing one of the melody notes, and he's humming it along with his bass in the lower octave. So it's a guy humming with his bass. Mm. It's unusual. And Clark Terry and Coleman Hawkins are two of my favorites. Clark Terry pops up a couple of times in this list. Are you just a, a big fan of his work? or? Well, I've met him and I've worked with him. I recorded with him, with my association with Louis Belson, being his arranger and librarian for a decade or so. Clark Terry's a, a legend. There's a wonderful movie that they made about him, a documentary called Keep On Keeping On, in the, in the last year of his life, and it just showed him in that last year mentoring a young pianist who's still at it. I was in the recording studio on the, the other track that I played for you. I ended up being the uh, conductor for that session. We're, we're going to play that a little later on in this in the show, and I'm uh, excited to share it with everybody. Is it that you know Clark Terry, which is why you like this version of Just Squeeze Me, or is it also you just love the arrangement and the, the sound of it? Oh, no, his playing, his his solo is, is off the charts. That means especially good. It's the kind of thing, musicians, when we like a certain solo, we will learn it. Sometimes we write it down, sometimes we do it by, by ear. So that's a, the biggest compliment you can give to a jazz soloist if you want to learn what they're playing so you can somehow get the same feeling that they were doing when they just created it in the moment. Here's something interesting about the way I play my saxophone. I feel if I can sing something, I can play it. You know, you could sing me a, a melody in a, of a new song I never heard before. It would just take me a few seconds to play it back to you because I have a direct connection between my... I guess I have pretty good ears. Well, I can't see them because they're under headphones, but I, having heard you play, I, I'm inclined to agree with you. <laughs>
ending there yeah so we don't always hear that ellington song as well so well i mean what what a catalog you know speaking of the man himself the duke and rosemary clooney i'm checking out goodbye from 1956 is this another one of the checking in lp out the library situations no this was a little bit later but i recorded i believe on two of rosemary clooney's last two albums we played many concerts i played one night with her one week, an entire week at Michael Feinstein's club in New York, jazz club. I'm sitting next to her for a week every for all the sets. Tony Bennett came in, and I, so I snuck a photo with him. I have that photo. I played one little eight-measure clarinet in a song, and she turned to me and said, Yeah, Albert, you realize how those kind of memories can stick with you? I give that to, to my style of playing, where I'm just singing, making up a new melody and singing from the heart. She wouldn't have said that if I would have just played a bunch of notes mm. trying to show off. You know, she felt it. Yeah. She heard what I, she heard that I was trying to say something musical. And uh, with Duke Ellington, that's my favorite big band. So I had to have him on the list. Mm. Duke and the boys recorded this separately from Rosemary. And this was one of the first albums that was recorded with overdubbing rather than recording everybody together. Thank you, Wikipedia. And this was also her first, this was her debut album because she'd had hits previously, but with like show tunes and being on compilations. So this was her first album proper. But in doing the digging, I realise here there is a Clark Terry connection with this track as well. Clark Terry was with Duke for many years. I can share another little story with you. Go on then. Louis Belson, the drummer I mentioned that I worked with, he invented the double bass drum, by the way. Louis Belson, Willie Smith, and Juan Teasel were playing with Harry James' band, and uh, Duke offered them a gig, but that's kind of hard to do. So nervously, they went to Harry James' dressing room and laid it out to him. You know, we Duke wants us, and they were just waiting for him to let him have it. And, and Harry James' response was, can you take me with you? <laughs> Nobody turns that down. I actually remember, I read an autobiography by Clark Terry. Actually, he came to Duke from uh, 
do kind of stolen from Count Basie's band. Yoink. Clark always worried about that. He said later in, later on they played a gig when they were older, old guys. And he said, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I went to Duke. Duke stole me and Count said, I know. <laughs> so, you know, what I when I learned about a story like that is we don't need to hold musicians back. You know, they have an opportunity. I don't think that way. Some people might do that, but I don't. Thought I'd call you, I hope you're not sick Cause I'm checking out goodbye Nice to have known you, you were my big kick But I'm checking out goodbye You tried no trick, you found a new chick But I was too slick I'm in the know, you've got to go The cake is all gone, it's too bad our bliss Had to miss out like this I'm checking out goodbye You tried no trick You found a new chick But I was too slick I'm in the know, you've got to go The cake is all done It's too bad our bliss Had to miss out like this I'm checking out I guess we should talk about the next song then, Robin's Nest. Clark Terry is not on this record, right. I checked, because <laughs> I was like, there's a pattern forming here. But there, I did discover that two different Alberts that aren't you play on this track. Albert Lucas on bass and Albert Wichard on drums. So, Well, that's very interesting. 
Yes, he's my, my hero. A lot of people might know him by his biggest hit. Do you remember what that one was? Flying Home. Yeah. So he was with Hampton Bannon when he did that and then had many hits on his own. So why this one and not the big one? Because it's mellow and peaceful, and that's what I wanted if I was on the desert island. Yeah, you don't want to get too jazzed up because you've got nowhere to go, I suppose. But it's also a beautiful improvisation that he does and just a... Uh, Yes, I guess I just love the melody that much. Yeah, well, as a sucker for a melody myself, I fully respect that. All right, well, let's get this one going. lovely and groovy i'm really into groovy things at the moment good and he had a hand in composing that along with the pianist there sir charles thompson yeah so here's an interesting story so i was a young musician exploring like i told you had to go to the library and just try out buy a record and take a chance i was working at an early age i was playing in clubs with funk bands 
before I was old enough to play in clubs, but I did it anyway. No one said anything. No one told on me. And I'd buy these records. One of the earliest records I discovered um, was the Lionel Hampton collection, and that's the first time I heard Flying Home. So I, I thought it was special right away. I transcribed a solo. I wrote, wrote it out. When I first met the band leader, uh, Jonathan Stout, I think we've been together many years now, 15, 16, 17 years, they say. He, he came to visit me once, and he saw the big poster I have of Illinois Jaquette and Sweets Edison hanging on my wall. So he was into Jaquette as well. So we were both into Illinois Jaquette before we even knew each other. So we just said, okay, we're probably supposed to be playing together. <laughs> you were made for each other. Yes. And uh, I've seen Illinois Jaquette play maybe three times. Yes, he was, a, he was a great individual, a great showman. I remember I saw him in Hollywood, California. He's playing his alto sax, which he loved, but uh, he's known for his famous tenor saxophone. Lionel Hampton tells a story that uh, Jaquette was playing alto, and he told him, I need a tenor, man. And, he, and Illinois said, no, I'll play my alto. And he, Lionel Hampton told him, well, if you want the gig, you'll play tenor, and I'll, and I'll get you a tenor. And he said, Hampton said he never looked back after that. So when I saw him in, in a club in Los Angeles, Hollywood, California, he played uh, On the Sunny Side of the Street. He played an alto solo. He sang it, and then he tap danced, of course. <sighs> Isn't that nice? If you had to pick between your saxophones, which one would you choose? Like to take on tenor sax without the shadow of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt, it's it's a part of me. It's like just singing. Here's what I tell fellow musicians or anyone that's interested. It gets deeper. When I'm playing at my best, I'm just scat singing through my saxophone, hmm. making up new melodies. Well, I'd like to think I've heard you at your best, so I um, I, I think. I think that's why so many people connect with your playing. Well, we should probably talk about the next song as well, which is the most modern sounding thing on the whole list. And it is Johnny Lang and Anything's Possible from 2006. And I was really struck by this because it is it stands out because it is so almost pop-like by comparison to all of these. What's the, what's the story behind it? Well, he came from the blues and the blues is the... Uh foundation of uh, jazz. He was a childhood prodigy. I'm sure he jammed with B.B. King and all those legends when he was just a kid. I remember going to this uh, Target. We have them here. I don't know if we have them out there. Big uh, chain retail store. And uh, I bought this CD and I just sat in my car and listened to it. And one song after another was just amazing. And I guess what I like about it is uh, I'm also a songwriter, so I'm interested, and even in the uh, swing music that we listen to, a story, a meaningful story hits with me as well. So I love the, the melody and the music, but this message hit home too. So it's, it's about people telling you can't do something, and Johnny Lang is saying anything's possible. That hit with me, and I would need that on the desert island too. See, I'm keeping this theme alive. I could be rescued or I'll figure out a way to get out of here. <laughs>
remember in the days of old Doesn't seem that long ago It was Johnny, you won't be nothing Unless you do what you're told Study medicine or study law And please put away the guitar The best you'll ever be Is the local star at the local bar But I went and did it anyway Family helping all the way Now I'm here today Five records later So you can hear me say don't Let them tell you can't be Anything you wanna be Don't be deceived Anything possible if You would just believe Then you can succeed It might not be easy But anything's possible But if old Ben Franklin Would have been frightened by lightning If you would have stayed inside then We'd still be in the dark Martin Luther King did some beautiful things All because he had a dream Just like you and me Don't let them tell you can't be Anything you want to be Don't be deceived Anything's possible if You would just believe Then you can succeed is a very sunny melody isn't it and like very it i mean you can feel the optimism oozing out of it i'm also interested in the lyrics in a song too so a lot of those old songs that you probably know as well as i do the songwriters were just as a skilled and as important as the music makers yeah yeah for sure next up you arranged it yes this is uh, from louis belson Clark Terry collaboration. Of course, they called it the Lewis and Clark Expedition. <laughs> Louis handed me 
from his melody on one sheet. And he said, can you arrange this? And I said, yes. And I uh, put my heart and soul into it. This is my favorite arrangement that I've done. And sometimes I tell people when I play and when I'm right, I'm not necessarily trying to change the world. I'm trying to make something that makes people uh, react somehow emotionally. Sometimes people try to you know, show off their chops you know, with a lot of complex stuff, which I know how to do when needed. But uh, when I'm at my best, I just wanted to create a swinging arrangement that the band would have fun playing. And Clark Terry is on this in his later days. I had made charts very big so he could see because his eyes were going bad too. I can tell you one story about this session that I love. He recorded half of the solos live, Clark Terry on the flugelhorn trumpet, and I decided to record a couple of them uh, later, overdubbing them. So I'm overdubbing in the studio with Clark Terry, me, and the engineer in the booth. So he recorded a track, and then the, the uh, engineer came back from the, uh, in the headphones, and he said, all right, uh, Clark, which one do you like best? And he said, the next one. <laughs> so that meant he wasn't done. <laughs> are you someone who likes to do your part many times or are you like one and done or like maximum two or do you want to just go over and finesse as much as you can in recording i am the one that uh goes for the uh, first or second take is i gave it everything i got and it worked out well again with jonathan stout uh, because at records we would do there might be two or three takes on one song and that was it. And I said, oh, okay, uh, I can deal with that. And I've, I've been that way my whole career. I worked with another, another guy once. He wasn't happy with his part, so we do like 10 takes in one song. I was ready to check out. I don't want to necessarily repeat myself. That's the school of thought that I've come. It's usually my you know, first, second. I pretty much give it what I got. But being a professional, I can, go, I can do more if needed. Would you like to introduce the song like a radio presenter? You could be like, hi, I'm Albert Alva, and then you do the intro. That would have been a first. I've never done it. <laughs> well, part of the Desert Island Jams with Sarah Spoon, I had to include this on the list. Louis Belson and Clark Terry playing the Davenport Blues, composed by Louis Belson, arranged by Albert Alva. Such an honor. And I never uh, get tired of listening to this, and I put my heart into this arrangement. Check it out.
It is an amazing arrangement. Thank you. I'll share an interesting story about this recording session. I always have a story. You should know that by now. Yeah. So Louis Belson and Clark Terry are very old school musicians. They were older, you know, they could have been in their 70s at least by then. We flew up to New York, Louis, myself, and maybe one other person. They really didn't have a uh, conductor or a producer. And I'm playing second alto saxophone in the saxophone section. And I've never done anything like that. I ended up having to be the musical director and I had no experience doing it and people were checking me out and wondering what I was doing because I wasn't perfect, but somehow I managed to do it. I had to learn on the spot how to be a musical conductor for a recording session because nobody was there. That song, every song we re rehearse like 40 minutes and we go for a take or two and then go on to the next one. So everybody was hearing the song for the first time and I would make points and I was doing all the cutoffs and I was thrown into the fire. Mm, mm. Although like, I'm all about in the fire, in the deep end when it comes to learning, although I know some people prefer to like dip their toes in. What about you? I like your approach too. I, I also teach uh, a lot of young musicians, you know, maybe from the age of 10 through uh, 18, as well as my college work. But uh, well, I started hundreds of kids on their very first solo. If you do it correctly, they are uh, hooked for life. If you don't do it right, they will never want to do it again. So I just try to get them to have fun at it as opposed to giving them, you might be able to relate to this, if you give them someone just starting too much technical stuff, they might say, oh, forget it, you know, never do it. But my college students are used to me throwing them into the fire. I remember once Dude, we were going to play a performance. He wanted to know what songs we were going to play for a little combo gig. I said, yeah, I'll get to it later. I never had time. So he just had to sight read them on the, on the performance. He, he, he mastered that by the time he left the college. I have a history of just throwing students into it. Most of the time it's better instead of waiting around until they think they have it perfect. Yeah, it's, it's, it's never going to be the right time. So just go for it. You know, if you're in that position... If you know, if they feel that you have them covered and you have their back and you're doing it with love, they'll they'll try it. You know, I'm not trying to do mean or push it for no reason, but it usually works out. Oh, you sound like a, a good teacher. Otherwise, we'll wait forever. Well, I don't have time for that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to song nine, which is definitely very Desert Island. Well, Celia Cruz... And Kukula, I remember this song when I I was aware of her music and I'd seen videos and I just thought she was she was an interesting person. She was like the Ella Fitzgerald of salsa. She was the, the queen of it. And uh, so I bought a collection. This was the very first song that I heard on that collection, Kukula. As soon as this song starts, I'm hooked every time. So she's still one of my heroes. Oh, here's another interesting story. You're waiting for this part. There was a famous American movie made called the um, Mambo Kings. I was in, in the film just as a sideline musician playing in one of the bands. If I got in, I was for a half a second. Celia Cruz was in the movie. So apparently I was in a movie with Celia Cruz. So I can, it's by a, by a sliver. But uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for this. To, even if I just hear a few seconds of this, I'm, I'm going to be off to the races. Let's have some of that right now.
Azuka. Did you hear her say that? <laughs> yeah, that was a thing that she was known for, her catchphrase, right? Yeah. Well, she was at a concert once, and the audience was getting on her nerves, and she just yelled that word out. And the audience liked it, stuck with it, so she ended up having to do it in every concert, so that she loved it after that. But <laughs> Is this another By the Beach is it the montage of you, like, on, on the desert island, getting coconuts down and making cocktails with them? Or where does it fit in, in the island narrative? That would be when I, would, when I was feeling happy, because I'd be dancing around. I would be juggling the coconuts, even though I don't know how to do it. You know, how can you picture that? Yeah, we've got time to learn it, like, learn how to juggle. Yeah, it would be a, another optimistic song that... Uh, there's hope something can can happen. Yeah, like optimism and maybe a little bit of sunstroke at the same time. <laughs> delirium is setting in. And the salsa music, uh, there is some jazz in there, you know, when you get into the, the phrases and the horn section. Sometimes they, you can hear influence in that. Yeah. Well, we're at the final song, which is a song that was new to me. And I've got to say, it is gorgeous and smoky and thank you for bringing it into well my life and into the lives of the listeners who don't know what's in store for them can you tell us a little bit more about it i checked this one out i think from the library or something and i just said uh after i heard the first two measures i said i was just a kid i said that's what i want to sound like finally because i heard all these fancy stuff it just didn't compute with me. And I heard somebody playing with feeling and soulful. I later saw him maybe six or seven years ago, and he did this song. So I was in heaven, the Wig Blues. And he's a... Uh, I'll tell you quickly the story so you can... People want to know. But he... Uh, <laughs> apparently, he had uh, he had a, girl, a girlfriend because he liked very much, and he uh, liked her so much he bought her a wig. But when they broke up, he wanted the wig back. But his playing... I don't know, uh, other musicians might have a same spot in their career where they can say, that's what I want to sound like. This was that moment. If it was on my desert island, this is as the sun's going down, but it's still really warm and there's sand between my toes. What about you? I like it. Is this a song that they would be like blues? I've heard of blues dancing. It is a wonderful thing. You should try it sometime. Have you ever had the chance to play this song live? No, but it could happen. I play slow blues, but it, it doesn't happen very often, but I would, uh, I would have that song in my mind as one of my influences. Would you like to play more slow blues? Yes, uh, definitely. I like slow blues. I like ballads. Any organisers who are listening to this, I would encourage them to reach out to Albert. Maybe you could ask him to put together like a small combo for your blues event, and then you could literally just do the blues to your heart's content i would probably give a leg maybe even a kidney to come to that event i would love to hear it are, are there going to be any blues tracks on your album well i had worked on something uh it kind of got stalled with everything but no it's a great great idea i love slow blues rarely get a chance to play them live I'm going to make a note of this and next time we are able to meet in person, maybe you could do a rendition for me because I, I would love that. Yes, you're on. I've <laughs> <laughs> got this recorded so I could hold you to that. This is Wig Blues by Lou Donaldson.
bought you, baby. I don't love you no more. I said, give me back my 100% skunk hair wig. I bought you, baby. I don't love you no more. the way it slides on in at the start so beautiful still has the same impact if you could imagine i'm just a teenager and i put on an, okay another record and i put this on and i i had to, as soon as that started i had to do a double take i said what this is it like this clouds opened up and the sun came through and i said yes so i'm playing in california a place called long beach i'm playing in a club which had a big front window so the walking passerby could see and some old guys walking out looking in the window. There was a famous jazz club a couple of blocks away and I found out later uh, Lou Donaldson was playing there. So Lou Donaldson was checking me out in the window playing The Girl from Ipanema. Whoa. And he knows that song too, you know, but uh, he just had a look. Some of those, those guys are just larger than life, an aura about them. Uh, Lou Donaldson was checking me out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. This, this is a great. Are there any other tidbits or stories, urban legends that you want to share? Like, I, I want to take advantage of this awesomeness while I've got a microphone in front of you. Well, Louis Belson, who I worked for, who invented the double bass drum, one of the greatest jazz drummers of all time, um, he happened to be married to uh, an actress, singer named Pearl Bailey. She was very, very big. And uh, I remember one time I was sitting with her in Disneyland at a table with Pearl Bailey, famous actress and all that stuff, watching Louis Belson's big band playing live. And then the soloist came out 
this old trumpet player, big giant trumpet player, and it was Cat Anderson. Oh my God! I'm with Pearl Bailey watching Louis Belson, and Cat Anderson comes out. So these kind of memories stay with you. Amazing. Any more? Like, come on! Like, don't feel like you need to hold back on my account. I'm looking at a, a poster I have on my wall, and it has a Louis Belson band with Joe Williams. Do you remember him? From he was Count Basie's vocalist. I I backed up Joe Williams once. Oh my God. So I have to look at my resume to, to remember this stuff. What a resume. This is amazing. On the big picture, I might also tell students or other people, everybody's the same. People are just people. And most of the, these famous people I met are very nice people. I tell them, if you ever meet people that aren't nice, I generally avoid those people anyway. I don't care what they have to offer. Mm. Here's, here's one little tip that I've learned about when you meet famous people I came up with. Come on then. Maybe give like one minute gushing over their famous hit. But if you take a moment to ask them what they're currently working on, then you're on to something. Then they will tell you. They're, they actually love that they had this, this famous hit and that it's made them a lot of money or success or something. But they're actually working on something now. People don't think to, to ask, well, what are you working on now? Then you're on to something. You can actually make a, a friendship with them and right? start a conversation. My tip for the day. A minute, like time yourself and like, oh my God, I really loved it. Oh, time's up. So what are you working on at the moment? You'll be surprised. Mm. So other than having English people interview you for podcasts, what are you working on at the minute? Uh, when we uh, shut down, locked down over here, I was in the middle of college classes. So I've been Zoom teaching three classes. And then I also teach youth jazz bands as well. So I remember... Uh, on Tuesdays, it's kind of settled down, but I had 10 Zoom classes in one day. That's intense. Yes. It's, it's challenging to, to, to uh, teach a, a big band on Zoom. I had to be creative. If someone was to come to you and say, Albert, I want to be an amazing saxophonist, what are your tips? What are your tips? Learning your basic scales developing your ear, learning songs just from off the, the radio or, the, or CDs, and uh, having some favorites, people that you can look up to. So you need to listen is the most important thing, to, to listen to everybody and go back to the beginning. Listening about the history of jazz and developing your ear. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you so, so much for your time. This has been wonderful. Yes, this is so much fun. <laughs> I have another. I have one question for you. Mm -hmm. When I'm playing Kukula by Celia Cruz, would you know what to do on the dance floor? Can you handle that rhythm, that, that beat? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure it would be quote unquote what's right. You wouldn't fall down. I would stay on the dance floor if you uh, started playing that. I absolutely promise. <laughs> Thank you for such a great time. And that was our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please do share the episode if you've enjoyed it. Click subscribe. And also leaving reviews, that's totally a thing. And that is also muchly appreciated. Albert isn't huge into social media, but if you want to find him, you can find him on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. Guess what the username is? If that's correct, it's Desert Island Jams. Desert Island Jams is produced by me, Sarah Spoon. This edition had some additional support by Alita Cooper. The music license is kindly sponsored by voicesculptor.com. 
Sarah Asmi, also known as Sasmi underscore design on Instagram, is the magician who whipped up the graphics. Jonathan Stout produced this original music for our soundtrack. Please go to Bandcamp and buy all of his things immediately. Remember, you can find listen along playlists on Spotify and YouTube. You just need to type Desert Island Jams into the search bar. If you would like a transcript for this episode, FYI, all of the episodes have transcripts, then you just need to follow the link that is in the show notes. Again, thank you for listening and Desert Island Jams will return next month.